0: Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. We're on episode 24. We're doing the USA Championship recap, getting you guys all ready and geared up for uh, world indoors. Um, What an amazing weekend. Um, Joe, I was just talking to somebody the morning of the women's competition and I said, you know what? I have a feeling, I'm not sure, I have a feeling that Katie Najat could win. I think she could win it all. And, you know, I told him it was just, just talking to her on the podcast this year. I just feel like she's so much more confident, you know, but I did not expect 16-1. If you asked me to pick the heights, I don't know that I would have picked the heights that came out, but I I thought she could win, but what a dramatic win. I mean, what, what, what did you think about that women's comp, man? I didn't see it coming. I didn't see that turnout. I think, I think I had the, the
1: top three pegged, but not that order, not those heights, I, I was. It was pretty exciting. I think one of the best women competitions, maybe USA. Oh, I think USA vault history. I I,
0: I think best women's competition ever. Because even time. I mean, well, because think about it this way. I mean, uh, even when Jan and Lena have set world record marks, I, what was the second best person? I the I SX, can't even remember. Probably a, a foot was, or so
1: over second place. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, so it's like. It, it's, it was so back and forth and literally till the very end, you didn't know who was going to win that competition because you're like, all right, Katie's already PR'd two times. She's not going to PR again. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. and boom, she does it again. She, you know? And she went clean. She yeah. went
1: clean through 16-1.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing competition. And, you know, it's funny. Um, recently, I, I know you know, uh, a couple other people may have known, I, I had a little back and forth with uh, Reggie Henderson and Rick on Facebook and just, right, right. you know, long story short, we went back and forth, but completely unbiased. I, you know, I always want to be unbiased. I always want to be fair. Jen sure competed incredibly. I mean, I think that's the best competition I've ever seen Jen with as far as back and forth and and she really competed well and it's just too bad that we only send the top 2 to World Indoors, you know, because she she clearly did an awesome job at that meet and and is ready, you know, uh, for World Indoors, you know.
1: No, Jen definitely brought it uh for I feel uh, maybe in recent years having stuck to maybe some of those smaller college meets. Uh, she definitely brought it at you know these with these other world caliber female athletes., um, yeah. so i I thought a great showing by all three top three girls, yeah, yeah, and, uh, I mean,
0: I mean, and just and again, think about the heights sixteen one and a quarter from Katie Najat. you have fifteen eleven and a quarter from Sandy, and then Jen with fifteen nine and a quarter. I mean, That literally, I I don't think you have a top three finish like that in any other competition as far as I could remember, you know, cause I even, I even think back to Yelena's last world championship, you know, when it was in Moscow, she jumped 16, that competition, uh, Silva might've done well, but I think even third place wasn't that, that big of a jump, you know, the only other competition
1: that's actually coming to mind for me was when, when was the, the USA's when I I think it was either right. Was it, was that when uh, Sandy jumped five meters? Was that 2017, 2016? Sandy
0: jumped five meters after the Olympics. After
1: the Olympics.
0: Right. Yeah. I thought
1: that was a USA competition. No, 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 no. no. She
0: jumped, she jumped five meters after the Olympics. It was okay. like that a week or two after the Olympics. Um, but, you know, again, just amazing competition. And, and I, I kind of, this is what I think you look at a competition like this and I think people have discussed it in the past, it was like, I, I forget what year it was. It might've been 2000 where we had four males jump 19 at USA's and only three can go, you know? Yeah. It was really a real shame. Yeah. I just feel like they need to change the rules. Like, look, do we really like, I get it. The Olympics is supposed to represent every country and whatever, but it's like, how are you not letting these top tier people make it to the, the finals? You know, if you think about the way, let's say like CrossFit does it or World's Strongest Man, it's like you might have one country overrepresented because they have the top people and those people deserve to face off against each other at the championship. You yeah, know? I, th-
1: I think the way you get around that is uh, I-, I guess this would have to be uh, IAAF would have to alter their uh, their standards, their A and B standards to get in. I know there was a couple alterations made to that. I think yeah. last year, or the year before. Well, but well, he, here's the thing.
0: I think you can still do the kind of deal where they go if if you get the B standard, you know, you can represent your country mm-hmm. even if there's not a you know big group of pole vultures, Let's say, right? Um, but why not wild card people in? I mean, so this is what I think is one of the most exciting track tournaments that I've seen is New Jersey State Meet. You know, I know a lot of other states they have where you have to hit a qualifying mark to go to states and this, that, and the other. New Jersey literally has a tournament style where it's like there's a state sectional where you go against schools your size in your region. Top six move on to state groups. Now you're going against everyone in your size. Uh, school from the entire state, top six move on, but then they add wild cards. So if you let's say placed out of the top six, but still have one of the best marks, you can then go to state meet to champs, and then state meet to champs is just everyone, you know. And so I feel like if they did something like that, I mean, come on, Jen should be at World Indoors. I mean, she more than deserves to go. I mean, how many other countries are going to have their national meet and they're not going to have a nine girl?
1: Oh, definitely. There's going to be girls
0: representing their country and we- woman, woman. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. There's yeah,
1: going to be women that. at that competition. I'm just so
0: high school mode, like boys and girls. So that's <laughs> uh, you know. But yeah, so I mean, how, how many countries are not going to have a woman jump 15.9, and they're going to send someone? You know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm actually not up to super up
1: to date on the w- other uh, countries right now, but I, I'm sure there's going to be a few few people there representing that don't have that quality of a mark.
0: Right. Um, I mean, well, just think about right now go, going before before this meet. I think is Sandy. And Jen had the top two marks. Maybe Katarina was in there as well. So, you know, Greece has a has a vaulter. And Canada has Alicia Newman. She's at around 15, 6, 15, 7. And then, I don't know. Is Russia going to world indoors? Are they allowed to I compete? don't know if they're allowed. I'm, I'm not sure. I, th- I think they, I know they They had a woman that jumped pretty high, you know, definitely in the 15, 7, 15, 8 range or something like that. But, you know, it's like, so how many people – there's just not – you know, the other countries are not going to have a, a 15, 9 woman. So – how, you know, Jen not going is kind of crazy. You know,
1: right? I, th- I will say this: the the issue I see with like the tournament style, like New Jersey has, is unless you do have some sort of you know minimum qualifying mark,
0: such as the B standard, um, you do end up getting a lot of people that honestly don't belong there, and and that's fair. So I think you could have the qualifying standard Right. you got to hit this minimum, it has to be at a minimum least, Yeah, but it's like wow, if your country, pre- like imagine you know, it's like. You, Imagine all three of them. Imagine four women in America jump sixteen feet right now. If you're telling me two of them are not going to World Indoors? That's yeah. ridiculous. No, I man.
1: understand one hundred percent. I mean, and, and there there is another, of course, another USA athlete, Demi Payne. Uh, hope she's comes back either this outdoor or next indoor. Yeah, and then we
0: potentially, could, potentially could, have could have four 16, four foot, 16 girls. foot women. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. You know, it's so crazy. So I, I don't know. I just, I would love to see track change a little bit as far as that. Cause even for the Olympics, you know, okay. It bumps up to three, but like I said, I, I think it was 2000 where I was, It I think it was, um,
1: 40, no, 585. It, I think was the,
0: was it Ty Harvey? I think Ty Harvey was the fourth guy. He jumped 19, didn't go. Right. And it's like, Who cares? Man, you got to have the best out there. I get it. The Olympics, you want representation from each country. Totally cool. You hit the minimum mark, you can represent your country. But if there's more than three, like let's wildcard the next best uh, people in, you know? Something like that I think would be an awesome, awesome thing. And then you really get to see the best of the best at the Olympics.
1: um, Or world championships. NCAA does that, don't they? There, They have the the auto. They have an auto. You clear this. And obviously they don't. They don't prevent you can send I guess as many kids as from your institution. Well, I as think possibly. they got
0: rid of. Did the they really? Auto, yeah. Oh, I mean, indoors I think it's just the top marks list. They mm. take so many, and then now outdoors you go to regionals, and then whoever qualifies out of regionals.
1: Oh, so the well, regional,
0: then. the regional thing is pretty cool too, because that's like is really exciting and yeah, people are competing. That, I, you know, I think it was. Uh, I know they say this old
1: saying for Division Three NCAA was uh, the nationals is the hardest meet to go to, but the easiest meet to be all American in. Cause apparently the competition really is, is during the season at, at the, you have a lot of these kids that kind of make it, but don't
0: really perform that day. Right. Right. Um, right. Which I mean, you see on the world scale too. Well, but. I mean, well, okay. So I mean, one, I, I want to say two things. One, it's like kind of Sam Kendricks wrote about this. He goes, people always go to big meets and try to do more than they should. If you go to a big meet, a championship meet and you, you just stay within your comfort zone, kind of, and just do what you normally done throughout the season. You probably are gonna finish well, right. and that's kind of what would happen at D three Nationals. You'd get these guys; they'd all qualify with about the same marks. And it's like, as long as you jump the mark that got you in, you were probably gonna be all American. But there would be guys that would maybe try to get on too big of a pole or try to really switch things up, and and then all of a sudden you you lose you know the position a little bit. And and then the other thing. That's why I think what I really like is competition, right? That's why I think it should be almost a playoff system. Like uh, the way kind of, I explained New Jersey state meet where it's like you go to these meets, you have to keep performing well to get to the next round, to get to the next round, to get to the next round. I mean, you see it with NASCAR too now, right? It's like you tally points up all, all season long, but then going into the chase, the last few races of the year. Once you're in the top 10, it's like restart. Now we're competing again. Oh, right, right, right. So you can't just be that guy that tallied up a million points and now you can rest on your laurels, you know? Because I think that's what also happens in track a lot of times. Like once people hit that A standard, they kind of back off. And then you're getting one or two meets a year where there's actual competition. I want to see competition like every week. Well, you know? to, that, to that, I would.
1: I don't even think it's that they purposely back off. I think you have too many athletes peaking uh, too early. But you know they're ready. They're at their full full approach. Big big meat pole. First meat of the year. Second meat of the year. They're not going to be able to carry that. What? Sure. Eight eight or
0: nine months into into the next season. Well, right. I mean, I don't. I don't think it necessarily needs to be. Let's say a fifteen week. You know. Uh. You know. Competition season. I think we can kind of squeeze it into like maybe a, a three to four week championship part of the season where now it's week after week. You've got to qualify for the next round. And sure. I think the better athletes, they can peak for that last week. Right. But there's going to be some people. Yeah. They're going to have to peak for that first week if they want to make it to the next round. You know? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's, I mean, look at, um, I guess you, USA is one of the only countries
1: that does the, 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 I guess the national, national meet to send people don't right, a lot of right. the other nations they kind of vote people in or whoever has the top marks. yeah there's
0: there some other countries yeah where it's like they really just go off of the qualifying scenario and then they just pick whoever they think is most fitting you know right and there have been stories over the years where like let's say some countries would pick a younger guy because they think he can you know be, be the groomed. new face. yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Well, um, that happened to usain bolt didn't it because he hurt he tore his hamstrings before or, or he strained his hamstring, I think, before the last Olympics, and he didn't have any qualifying marks. But they still let him go to represent the country because right. they knew it's Bolt, right? Exactly. It's Bolt. Exactly. That's crazy. That's like being like, listen, we're going to bench Michael
0: Jordan, right? He's he right. on the Chicago I, Bulls. I, th- right I think.
1: I think the the real the solution is to have uh, some sort of hybrid system. I mean, I like again. I like I like what USA does. Is you're building up towards these marks, they qualify for the national meet, and then you know they pick people based off their performance there. That's sort of where I tend to disagree. I, like you said, I think that there should be, if you hit a certain mark, a standard, those are the people that go. Um, I i don't understand. I, I don't personally believe that this one well, meet should determine who represents the country.
0: But look, and th- this is something that I mentioned too. Okay. Let's even go back to Usain Bolt, right? right. And Justin Gatlin at the last Olympics. That race and see, this is the unfortunate thing. Because we don't have great broadcasting and analysis and breakdowns of these events, we're not really seeing the the really juicy parts of the story. Mm-hmm. So you have this race. It's a showdown. It's Bolt versus Justin Gatlin. Everyone knows this is who it's coming down to. And Bolt wins with 9.81. Well, his world record is 9.58. And Gatlin has run faster than 9.81 like a bunch of times. Hmm. So it was really anybody's ball game, right? Quote, unquote, ball game. Right. And what happened? One, you had Bolt, which what was his only fear? His only loss going into that Olympics was being DQ'd through false start at Worlds. Right. So he's just like, I just want, don't want a false start. So he was really, really delayed reaction time at the start, right? Then you have Gatlin. What's he worried about? He's like, I know Bolt has better top speed. So he tries to crank out of the blocks too hard. And kind of started spinning halfway through the race instead of creating strides. And Bolt just goes by him. So you could see how the psychology and the competition affected how each one of them reacted in a 100-meter race. And we get so numbers-obsessed about track. And yes, numbers matter. Obviously, you know, I think me and Joe, at our best, maybe could run a 12-second 100. <laughs>
1: yeah, with the tailwind. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, like, we're not beating Justin Gatlin and Bolt. But when you put two guys who are who are comparable against one another or two women that are comparable against one another, there's competition matters. Yeah. And so like for me, this is what I like about going through a competition kind of playoff style is you are gonna have some favorites, no height, or underperform or not make the next round. But that's where we see who the best competitors are. No, that's you're right. You know, so that, that's what I find interesting. But we're getting way, way off topic. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, we we kind of went down that rabbit hole of like, kind of, you know, I guess our utopian track world here. Right. Uh, but look, some numbers that I wanted to go over to, for people to understand. Katie Najat, she was on a fourteen six pacer, right? She's gripping roughly fourteen five, right? She's at least an inch down from Something the top, there, yeah. right? So we're we're being very conservative with these estimates. So you drop the eight inches in the box, her grips at thirteen nine, right? She jumped 16-1. She pushed two feet four inches to jump 16-1. Amazing. And then what's even crazier, they set it at the World Indoor record, which was what what was what was the mark? 16, 6.5. Yeah. Five and four. And guys, she had great attempts. So you're talking about just tack on she she's almost in three foot push territory. That's insane, right? Yeah. Especially for a female, right? Um, and those of you that don't know this, uh, Females usually have about 65% of the motor units, upper body-wise, than a male does. So to see a woman be able to push three feet, I mean, wow, that would be insane. I can only think of, I think, one other woman that's done that.
1: Maybe Elena did it, but also uh,
0: Yarsi Silva, I think, was was uh, close. Yeah, I don't know Silva's grip, but it was. I feel like it was lower than most females it, yeah. for a 16-foot jump. And then the thing is with Elena, I mean, she was still, I mean, she was on top of 15. She was at least gripping 14.9. Right. So her push isn't that crazy, right? You're talking about two feet. Maybe 2 feet 7 inch, yeah. 2 feet 6 inch. So, you know, Katie's right there. Then, how about this? So, uh, Sandy, when she jumped 5 meters, you're talking about she's gripping 14.6, right? Mm-hmm. She's at least an inch down on those 14.7s. Uh, minus the inches, her grip's at 13.10. She jumps 16.4 and a quarter or 16.4 and a half. What's 5 meters exactly? 16.4 and I think a quarter. A right? quarter, right? So, she's pushing 2 feet 6 inches. And then, I believe Katarina's gripping down on 14.7. She's gripping 14. So, when she jumps 16, you're talking about two foot eight inch push right i mean guys if that doesn't tell you that you'd need to be an efficient vaulter i don't know what does
1: yeah i I think the more the more you rely on uh just your 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 speed and your power just the the less the the more inconsistent you're going to be i mean we see that with both male and female athletes of both low and high caliber yeah yeah, i mean if the girls that are pushing that are pushing you know two and a half feet they're 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 surgeons. They have their craft down so precise, right. They're Dialed in that they can do that pretty consistently. Right. But when you have you know a couple, a couple of these athletes, on average, especially in a girl, maybe they're pushing one foot eight,
0: one foot ten you know, maybe every once in a while on their best day. Their so best you're pay. talking about, they're normally pushing maybe a foot, maybe a foot and a half. It's like, yeah, think, think about what that means. Gonna that,
1: tough. They're not going to technically get any better than me. So what that means is there, that means that that particular day, at that particular jump, their takeoff has to be perfect. Their speed has to be perfect. Their mechanics have to be perfect. And,
0: and you kind of just hit it right. Yeah. You catch yeah. It right. Quote unquote. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, and it was crazy. So let's, let's even talk a little bit lower level. Right. So we just had state groups in New Jersey and, you know, I had a uh, Sydney Shannon who was gripping 11 and jumped 11. So she's pushing eight inches already with like, you know, a little tiny grip and she's a five foot one tall girl. Um, then I had a freshman girl grip 10, three and jump 10 and you know, she's pushing five inches. She's only a freshman girl. She's five foot tall. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And so it's like, it's just insane. You see that kind of push. And then, and then at these same meets, I literally saw girls gripping 12, six, barely jumping 11. Right. You know, so and, – and this brings up the whole kind of phil- philosophical debate. What and, is efficiency? Well, <laughs> well, no, no, no. Not what is efficiency, but here, here's the deal, right? You have two schools of thought. You have some people that are like, well, I'd rather have an athlete grip as high as they can and then I'll teach them to vault later. Then there's another school of thought which is like, well, I'm going to teach the kid how to vault and they'll, they'll get their grip up, you know? So it's kind of like the whole chicken egg debate, I, right. I feel like, you know, and I mean, obviously I, I'm under this impression and my opinion would be that you have to teach the kid how to vault and the grip will come. Like as they physically mature, as they age, they're going to get their grip up and now they're already efficient vaulters. Um But there, there's those people out there that are like, no, let's jack that grip up and, and we'll figure out how to vault once we get there. So I I don't know. You know what I mean? Like. That's kind of the discussion being had. But at least once we look at the top level, if you are not efficient as far as push goes, you're going to have a tough time to compete at that level.
1: You know what you should do? You should split up. Take – you know, take you have a four 11-foot girls right now? Yes.
0: So yes. Take, take two of them. And just jack their grip jack up. Jack their
1: grip up by a foot and just say, you know what? You'll get the timing down. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the other two, you know, you just keep doing
0: stuff. I, I tell you what, I, I hope these four girls aren't listening to this podcast right now. They're like, "Listen, I don't want to be guinea pig." <laughs> no, they're gonna show up and be like, "So can I? Can I grip up? Can I be the one of the ones that
1: grips up?" No, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I would actually say, just just to play devil's advocate here, being being from someone that's always been a school of thought that you know you should teach someone how to properly a vault, and then their grip will slowly go up over time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen results from both. I mean, look at look at what Sam's been doing, and which we'll get to more specifically. Yeah, soon. So we, we
0: got to talk about the guys' competition, which yeah. was amazing as well. But like, we'll get we're, there. are still on, uh, on the female side right and now, and then and then look at the other side, Sean Barber. You know, someone who's gripping sure, a, sure, gripping
1: real high. And I will say that maybe the his two maybe two to three years ago, he was slowly getting the timing right, and he went yeah. from a seventeen six guy yeah. to a six meter guy, which which you know it works
0: right. Because and just to be clear, just for people who don't know, like. Both guys are, are, are coached by their dads. Um, Sam has a world record push of four and a half feet. His grip is much lower than everybody else's. And then Sean, on the other hand, his grip is higher than everyone else's. Everyone I and think. his push is really down there. So, I mean, you you have you know Sam, like I said, pushing four and a half feet. He was gripping what like fifteen six ish, fifteen seven I think. Yeah, fifteen like seven that. right for for his uh, six meter jump. And then. Then you have Sean Barber who is gripping around 17.6, yeah. 17.3 to jump 6 meters. So even if even if we're being like really friendly, let's say he had 17.3 grip, right, minus the 8 inches in the box, his grip is at 16.7. Um, so he pushed 17.7, um, 18.7. Three feet, seven, one inch. feet, one inch. Three foot, one inch. I mean, guys – I think Sean Barber is a super good athlete. Joe Oliveri right here. I know it's hard to believe. Dude gripped 13.6, right? So minus eight inches. His grip is at 12.10. He jumped 15.6. So he put, so that's two foot eight, two foot eight inch. I think Sean Barber can push more than Joe can. I mean, I'm just going out on a limb, but, (laughs) but anyway, those are the two schools of thought. Right. And here's the thing. I guess it's real easy for us to sit here and be like, well, Sam right now has had a more successful career so far, but I think there's more to it than just um, technical philosophy. And I think that's where people get away from things too, is like, look, we're also dealing with human beings, not robots, right? And I think Sam and Sean, just personal lives and stuff like that, there's things going on. We we all have things going on in our lives, and and I know even um, – To use an example that's not pole vault related, I was listening to a podcast with Stipe Miocic, who's the UFC heavyweight champ, and he actually just defeated this young stud that everybody thought was going to knock him out. And one thing that Stipe said, because he was kind of up and down, he would like win some some fights, lose some fights, and what turned him around and got him to be the heavyweight champ right now, he said that he was going to one of his fights, and he, he all of a sudden realized, he's like, you know what, I love my wife. My love, my wife loves me and win or lose tonight. I'm still going to have her. She's still going to be my wife. She's still going to care about me. So I have nothing to lose. You know, sometimes it's things like that, that get the person to the next level. And I'm going to bring Katie now back up. Katie Najat, you know, she's been on the podcast twice and super big fan uh, of Katie. I love her. I'm so thankful she's been on the podcast twice, but I, I even, I DM'd her after the USA championship victory and I said, good job, Katie. And you know, I just, I know you're in a better place. You're way more confident. You're way more positive, And you really believe in your training. That means a lot. Yeah. That means a lot. You know, when you have that confidence in what you're doing, that's what takes you over the edge. That's even more important than the, like this debate of like, okay, is it Sam being efficient or is it Sean gripping up? And you know, it's like, no, like, y- you have to have your mind right and believe in what you're doing. That's, that's a big, important point as well. You, you, you brought this up to me years ago,
1: and it's something that, that's always stuck in my mind, was uh, Jen, Jen Sure, who I feel some people love her jump, some people don't love her jump. But no matter what, and you told me this, she believes in the program that her and Rick have devised yeah. so much – it doesn't really matter at that point if it's really right, quote-unquote, right or wrong. She believes in it. She's giving it her all. She – that mental edge is so there that – boom. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You know – Five meters. And, and that's huge. And, and I hope, you know, even when I was kind of going back and forth with Rick on Facebook a little bit and, you know – I hope Rick really understood that I have immense respect for the guy. He has accomplished amazing things. He he even is working with a high school girl right now, Erica Ellis, who looks awesome. The girl's a stud, you know, and it's like Rick is able to get people to perform at a higher level. And sometimes that has less to do with technique and more to do with being a competitor. And look, I have so much respect for Rick because I think he, he has some, a little advantage over a lot of other people is he doesn't, necessarily just come from the pole vault world. He was a big time high school wrestler. Right. I don't I don't know about his college career, but I know high school wise I think he was all you know, American once or yeah, twice. I think but like and I've seen his highlight video. He was a vicious competitor, mm. aggressive. And what I think sometimes people forget is you're out there competing in the pole vault. I know pole vaulting's fun. And I know we all like to be friends and you could be friends, but dude you're there, you're at a championship meet. Believe you me, you are competing. And I remember reading a quote from an article where it was talking about, I guess, like Rick helped one of Jen's competitors at USA's one year. And Jen was like, hey, you can't be helping other people while I'm trying to win a championship. (laughs) And And I was like, go, Jen. That's awesome. I love it. Because we have to compete. You know, look, I can be friendly. I can be fair. I, you know, I can be nice to my competitors. And I mean, like, certainly there's a lot of people that I coach against. That I'm I'm friends with them. I've broken bread, you know. We grab beer, we go get dinner, we bullshit about pole vault, just like me and you are right now. But hey, when it when it comes down to go time, I, I'm trying to kick your ass. If you're my friend, I I, I want to beat you even more, <laughs> you, you know.
1: Yeah, remember that one time at the beach ball, I greased up your poles. Oh, and all my <laughs> kids.
0: That's why they were sliding down their grips. Oh my goodness, yes. what a jackass! <laughs> my twelve foot girls were jumping seven that day. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I think that the mentality is a huge, huge part, you know, you, you, right. You yeah,
1: had to get back on track. Yeah. Katie is so confident in her program right now and it's, yeah. it it shows, shows on the runway. It shows in interviews. Yeah. shows, on, it shows it on the podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It just like, I, I literally couldn't believe the turnaround in one year, you know, talking to her. It's like, it was so amazing and I was so happy that she's in that place, you know, um, do we want to talk about... I think we any should talk the, about... Talk about the men? I think or? we should talk about the men now. Let's All talk right. about the men. We've, we've been talking about the women a lot. Um, so, you know, I know this isn't the smoothest segue, but... <laughs> I mean, the women's competition, listen, that was amazing. And I don't know if that could be outdone. But... The men's was pretty close. The men's was uh, good. You have Sam Kendricks coming in as the diehard favorite, you know, um medaled at the Olympics, world champion, six-meter vaulter, you know, the USA men's field, uh, didn't look as strong as the women's, clearly, Sam's going to win.
1: Right. That's was, that was where the safe money would have been.
0: Right. Yeah. If we're gambling, guys, if, they, if people gambled on track like they do some other sports, I, I don't even know what the betting line would have been. But definitely, you you would have won some money if you put it down on Scott Houston, you know.
1: Yeah, to, to be on, I think my top three were going to be Sam Scott and uh, and Andrew Andrew Irwin. Okay. Um, I definitely think uh, I th- th- those are my top three personally. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that being said, very good showing to everyone. Trey,
0: I just want to say <laughs> you're in my top three. I disagree with Joe,
1: but go, go ahead, continue. Hey Trey, um, no, no heights from the men, which I thought was, that's great. Yeah, um, and then you had what eight, nine, nine people over eighteen. So yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah. I, and I don't know. We I see a couple of personal bests, a couple of seasonal bests, which means there were less than nine people going into this competition with an eighteen foot PB. Um, but uh, where
0: do you want to? What type well, of breakdown I, you want to do here? Well, look this is what I want to say. I mean, I was shocked. Not, not shocked. Cause I think, I think Scott is more than capable of a 19 one jump. You yeah. know what I mean? I thought last year he hit that 18 11 jump. He's ready. Definitely ready for a 19 one ball. And it's just like, it's super exciting to watch him jump. I think his jump has definitely improved. Like every time I see a video from him, it's getting better and better and better, you know? Yeah. And he's a fast guy. He's fast on the pole. Um, I, Scott, take if take you want to let us know what your grip was, I would love to do the efficiency and see what that was at. But, yeah, he, he looks great. Uh, but I just, you know, Sam jumped eighteen eleven, which is not crazy. Clean. But, Clean but it's like, man, he beat Sam. Yeah. Scott came down. He beat Sam. That's crazy. What an upset. What an upset.
1: That was what uh- – not to not to, I don't want it to bring us and make us negative, but that was what Sam's first U USA loss in what seven competitions, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. So Scott breaks the streak, you know? Um and yeah, I, I listen, Katie just got signed by Nike. I just want to say holla at your boy. Scott is sponsored by Shore Athletic Club. Can we get him a sponsor, people? You know what I mean? Somebody knows somebody from Nike or Adidas? Scott, you know what? I think you should go with a dark horse. Go with Mizuno, Spikes. (laughs) Represent them. You know, but it's like, you know, the guy deserves sponsorship. The guy is a stud, you know. But here's what I really like. This is a guy that has immersed himself in pole vault. He coaches at a club. He coaches high school kids. He coaches at High Point University. You know what I mean? He is, talk about living, eating, breathing pole vault. That's awesome, man. You know, it's interesting. Uh, this is probably a discussion
1: for another time, but I wonder how much Scott has learned coaching. Oh. I feel like that's something that I think it's like a uh, like an un- unknown tool. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the a lot of the pole vaulters. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to name names, but a lot of the USA guys on this list at this meet don't know their craft very well. They don't know pole vaulting that well. And I think Scott Houston knows it very well. I think Sam knows it very well.
0: Yeah. Well, 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 let's, let's go to this. We we don't even have to talk about the guys who are at USA's, but this is something that we've even discussed as far as the high school club scene. You know, it seems like the, the female side, you know, they're very responsible. They want to learn the craft. I've had several high school girls where I was like I could have them coach Sundays cuz they really right. are a student of the sport and then how how many times and we've had this discussion all the time how many times like guys don't even want to catch a mid yeah, yeah you, you know what I mean guys don't even want to catch a mid mid mark you know yeah. that's like uh, crucial uh, crucial information and we were actually talking to somebody tonight who I finally got him to start catching mids religiously And he had a way different experience coaching tonight, you know? And so it's like, I I just, I don't know what it is. I think it's because guys are always like, ah, I'm good. I got this. They don't ask for directions. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. But no, that's a great example. You know, it's like, if we're lost, you know, your girlfriend's probably like, hey, honey, why don't we pull over, ask that person where we're going. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. You know, whereas women will ask for directions. So maybe it has something to do with that, you know, but I think you're right. Scott definitely, because he coaches, that's an advantage. And I think also he's made a nice training group for himself. He has, um, Austin, uh, Miller, right? Austin Miller, yeah, Austin Miller's right there. He he had a personal best at the meet, 18-1 a uh 18-1 and 3 quarters. So, he's in his training group. Michael then Seifert. he has Michael Cyphers who had a huge PR. I think the guy was like jumping 16-8 before this season, he jumped 17-7. Seven. And then Jill, oh my goodness, Jill, I'm forgetting your name. Jensen? It's your last name. No, 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 no it's not Jensen. Uh, but Jill Jill also trains there. She jumped Outdoor USA's last year. I don't I, check the women's list. I don't know if she was on the women's list. I don't list. think so. I, I don't think she Indoors this year. No, she's not there. I know you're talking Uh, about. But yeah, so they have a nice little like uh, post collegiate training group where I think that's important too. You gotta have training partners to push you. You know, I mean, I guess I just said you gotta, and there's definitely a lot of people on these lists that didn't have training partners. But I think that's an asset because it keeps you honest. You want you want to you want to take a break today? I don't think so. That guy just freaking killed it today, dude. It is so hard lifting.
1: Now you're not talking about pulling, though it could be an accessory to pole vaulting. Yeah. lifting weights alone,
0: no, yeah. no one there to push you. It's murder. It's yeah. it's hard to do. Right, and and here's the thing: if you're the only big dog in in your in your club or your training situation, well, it's really easy to get lazy. I think sometimes, and so I think what Scott has built there in his training scenario is awesome because he's coaching people. He's got training partners. They all push each other because um, I know even Austin Miller last year, I remember seeing him at the mall vault in Scranton. I was like, dude, this guy's on huge poles. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So it's like he's, even he's even from guy. that perspective. Yeah, he is a big guy. <laughs> but it's like even from that perspective, it's like that could push you. You know, maybe Scott's looking over there and like, dude, that guy's getting his grip up. I got to get my grip up. You know, so it, it's nice to have that. And look at that. Scott comes out on top. You know,
1: definitely, definitely well-deserved Scott. Scott's been kind of in the cut there. I feel for a year or two now, jumped very close to 19. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like there was so many meets. from like, this he's is gonna, the one gonna, yeah, he's, he's going to pop it, it yeah. out. And then he finally
0: did on, on yeah. I'd say one of the, one of the grander stages. And I'm really happy for the dude. Yeah. And, and look, I think, you know, if you watch the video, yeah, he definitely, you know, touched the bar a little bit. But the hip height was really, really good. And consistently. Yeah. Every, every
1: single bar, I think yeah. he cleared that. I mean, every every jump was a, was basically a 19-foot jump. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, look, World Indoors, I think he's got another PR in him for sure. Yeah. I mean, and look, after Katie's uh, performance, you can't count anyone out. The girl yeah. quadruple PR'd. So who's to say Scott can't go in there? At World Indoors and jump a six meter bar. I really, I
1: really hope Katie can keep it up too. Both of them. I hope they yeah, really yeah. keep it up because um, I think too many times we've seen these big, big bars early on, and then it kind of falls apart. But I, I hope they keep it together because it'd be, it'd be great to see uh, some US guys
0: on the and girls on the on the world stage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now something about Sam Kendricks, and it's so funny because earlier I mentioned you know he had that article where he's like, look, just stay in your lane, kind of do what you do, and you'll perform well at the championship. Well, Bubba Sparks posted something on Facebook. This is unconfirmed. But posted this on Facebook. Apparently, they were trying out five-meter poles at USA's. Very bold. Yeah. And so they took a little bit of a gamble. But, like, watching the jumps, I I agree with Bubba. They look like blow-throughs. So the gamble paid off because they made it. They made the world team. And if he's on five-meter poles and he was just blowing through at USA's, people might be in trouble when th- we get th- to World Indoors.
1: I, th- I think it was Scott Houston saying on his uh, his Snapchat feed mm-hmm. that Sam basically ran out of poles and was blowing through at the end of the wow. competition. Wow. I haven't seen the jumps, yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. No, no one has posted video yet. The closest thing we had, I think, was, was Scott Houston's live Snapchat feed, mm-hmm. which unfortunately mm-hmm. disappeared after 24 well, hours right. before That's, I could yeah. view it. But, but uh,
0: yeah, so, I mean, I think that's – I think that's crazy. I mean, Sam might really do something really special. Uh, yeah, Ch- Sean
1: Francis was saying the same thing. I got to agree with him. If he if he really – if he gets on the right pole and he's got that grip and he's got that Sam Kendricks push, we're looking at world record territory.
0: Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah, and and, you know, when you start to now think about the international marks and talk about now world indoors, you know – I mean one, Scott looks great, but Sam could do something crazy. Then you have Renault Lavillenie, who has quietly kind of been building up and, and performing uh better and consistent. marks are yeah, getting more consistent, the marks are going up there. Then you have some of the young guys too. You have Mondo and Manolo who are doing some crazy stuff. And Piotr Lisek. Piotr Lisek, know. he just
1: popped out I think of like five ninety 590 or five ninety one mm-hmm. this yeah. past weekend. Yeah. Um, so he's always, he's always a, a wild guy. I wouldn't say I wouldn't even say a dark horse. Like he he's he's going to yeah, be up in the he's top a contender. Guys.
0: Now, and it's funny because I feel like the last time we were at World Indoors when it was um, in Oregon, I really I thought about the guy side. I'm like, there's only Renault and Sam, right? You know. And now we it, there's a huge resurgence. I feel like on the men's side where it's so competitive, it's anybody's game. I'm very
1: excited. I mean, I'm always excited to watch Mondo jump. Uh, the Greek boy, Car- Carlos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carlos. Yeah. Carlos. Yeah. I think he just set the official youth world record. And I got to say, Mondo, please do whatever you got to do. Ratify your meet record. Ratify, ratify your world record so it's official. But anyway, I digress. Well, uh, I don't think
0: he can do anything about it, dude. The pegs were too long.
1: Is that what it was? Yeah, the pegs were too long. Is- That's whack.
0: This guy doesn't know anything. This
1: guy. The pegs don't matter. <laughs> Boop guy, still love you. Um, well, no, I was. I, I heard a conflicting that um, – was that the same issue at – Reno, uh, Reno. No, at the, at the Armory last year when Mondo jumped 580. That was not ratified either, and that is higher than Carol five seventy. 578. Well,
0: see, like that doesn't make any sense to me because, yes, it was high school nationals – but if they were using UCS standards that go to 21 right. feet, which obviously they were. The high school standards only go to 17. So if they're using those, those are the short pins. That, that shouldn't so have been an issue. That's
1: why I said ratify so that, that yeah, mark. That, that should ratify be, that yeah. mark because I think it's just paperwork. Because that's what happened to Jeff Hartwig. I don't think they ever
0: got his indoor American yeah.
1: record ratified. So crazy.
0: Look, this, this also goes back to what I'm saying. And records are great. Don't get me wrong, people. But we care too much about records. Let's care more about competition and championships, right? Like that's great. That's great that you jumped that bar, but show up when it counts. Show up when it counts. You know, that's what matters to me. Right. You know, you don't want someone that's setting world records at a little college meet and then showing up to the world stage and not performing. Right. Or look, I'll even, I'll even talk uh, whether it's high school or college. That's great if you hit a high mark early in the season and you're ranked number one in the state, or you're you're pretty high up in the D three mark, and then you go to ECACs or Division three nationals or state meet of champs, and right. you get a goose egg. Right. That really doesn't matter. You're not going to hang your hat on. Be, oh, I was a state leader for a couple weeks. <laughs> I have <laughs> like one weekend. <laughs> Joe has a fake national championship trophy is like from week two of it's the season. From, it's from the, the
1: Joe <laughs> oliveira polo competition. Yeah. I was the only competitor. Almost no-heighted, so you know. Um,
0: um, but but yeah, so I mean I, I just you know again, I think the competition is gonna be crazy. And then the women's side, you know, now going back to the women, the women's side is now wide open. You have Katarina. you have Katie, you have Sandy. Then, you know, I'm sorry, but we mentioned Alicia Newman before. Yeah, her PR might be only 15, 6, 15, 7, but she's definitely 16 foot capable. Oh, definitely. I, I, not having seen her
1: jump in person, I, I definitely think she's probably one of the most athletic girls of the group.
0: Oh. oh, my goodness. I think
1: she's probably one of the strongest. I'm willing to bet if these girls weight lifted properly, I'm willing to bet she would come out on top there. Definitely capable of sixteen foot mark. And for what I've been seeing the the limited training videos that I think she posts mm-hmm. on her uh, Instagram, the jump looks every. And I I think I said this on the last podcast. Every jump I
0: see from from Alicia looks cleaner than the last time. Yeah, so she's
1: making technical improvements well, well, too. Well, right.
0: So that that's the thing I wanted to say. I mean, one, you know, I I got a chance to meet her and and talk to her. I mean, I've seen her jump live. Um, physical specimen. Right. Like this is this is a girl that like. Definitely, I would not want to get into a fight with. She would probably <laughs> kick my ass. But the thing is, like, she's so great physically. And the pulls she gets on are definitely big enough. And you're right. I, I feel like, one, earlier in her career, you definitely could see the jump. Like, you know, there's a couple things she could work on. A little, on, flat and little but, blocking, yeah. But it's like she is getting better every right. day, you know, yeah. and figuring things out, you know. And then I thought, what a gutsy per- performance for her at Milrose. Uh, she ran through the entire warm-up kind of collected her thoughts and then jumped like a champ.
1: You right.
0: Know? So definitely she's a dangerous c- competitor. So I think both genders right now, it's anyone's game where it's like, how often have we watched a world or Olympic competition where it's literally coming down to one or two people and everybody else is just filler. You yeah, know, I, this, the, this, I feel like we're at the Daytona 500 and we're waiting for the big one. There's going to be a wreck, and someone's going to weasel their way through the wreck and finish line, get well. I hate to, I hate to think of it as weaseling, but no, no, not weaseling. But you know what I mean, like finding a way through right. through that pathway and, and dipping and dodging the the crashes to to win the race. And I really feel like we're in for for a big show. Do we do we want to talk about uh, Nina Kennedy at all,
1: or do we want to leave this uh, Australian girl? I think she's just jumped four. I think she also jumped four eighty or forty one. Oh wow. Beautiful jump, I guess. Nina, if you're listening, probably not. If you're listening, I love you. You're one, one of the greatest jumps I think I've ever seen. Technically, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. I another contender. I'm trying to think of what other, what the countries we have. Uh, the who is the, the who is the the jacked girl? I mean, have you, have
0: you well have you seen um, have you seen Silva? Has she competed?
1: competing? I have not seen her name at all this yeah. indoor season, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but
0: but look, regardless, definitely going to be some interesting stuff. Um, I think the last thing that I kind of want to talk about before we, we end this podcast, because, again, amazing USA competition. Uh, I think definitely the American team, we got some strong contenders going to Worlds, but it definitely is going to be a shootout. Um, exciting stuff. Um, the last thing I want to end on, you know, just being that we just saw USAs, um, a lot of people have state meets. A lot of people are going to nationals. Look, you can't coach with your ego. I just posted a video on the Instagram and got a lot of great feedback from from a lot of different people. You have to pay attention to pole speed. You have to pay attention to pole speed. Obviously, if your athlete is blown through the pole and the pole's going through vertical really, really quickly, hey, you might need more resistance, right? And I and I've talked about it on the podcast. People have to start to look at grip and pull stiffness as resistance, and you're trying to match the appropriate resistance for your vaulter's pull speed. So if you're blowing through, you're landing deep, great, go up a grip. But hey, I don't care what your kid was gripping or what pole they were on when they jumped their PR or their season best. If they are not moving the pole, if it is not moving through vertical, you need to swallow your pride and grip that kid down, or go down a pole and get them to move the pole into the pit better. Because guess what, I've never ne- never seen anybody clear clear the bar if they couldn't get their pole to vertical. Right. You I, know, I mean, if you're ending up on the runway, it's going to be pretty hard to uh, clear the cro- crossbar. You know, I, I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, whether when you were jumping or just watching it's, things, coaching, it's definitely
1: it's definitely a, a tough move. I, I've, I've I've had much more. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. Uh, <laughs> lowering my athlete's grips down and saying, "Hey, man, you got you got you got to move this pole. You're just not doing. It. You're gonna end up in the box or or back on the runway. It's not gonna work yeah. out." But I'm just thinking of a story of my my own career. Uh, NJAX, 2014 or thir- yeah, yeah. 13 outdoor. We were vaulting into a headwind, and mm-hmm. I think I think we were going with a, I think a, won the comp at 15-3. Mm-hmm. And then I think I was only gripping thirteen four and two, maybe thirteen three and two fingers yeah. something like that. The
0: bar was at fifteen eleven because Adam had passed the fifteen right. three bar, yeah. And
1: then we went to fifteen eleven. I think still only gripping, I think still only gripping like f- thirteen five, yeah. maybe. And yeah, I mean, yeah. we had close attempts, but but yeah, I mean, I would I would say that having a lower grip that day. Granted, there was an ex- external
0: factor. That right, played, you had a huge headwind that you had to battle. Having, yeah.
1: having the lower grip, just, just biting the bull and doing it, won the competition. I think qualified myself for ECACs
0: at that time. No, Penn Relays. And Penn Relays, yes. Well, no, pen Relays you qualified prior to that. Oh, that must have been indoor before That must have been indoor Right. But yeah, no. So look, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you. the only way you're going to clear a bar is if you can make it into the pit. You know, and I look. I even had a situation this weekend where I had a girl opening at ten. Her PR is eleven seven, and she had jumped on twelve seven one thirty gripping eleven nine. And so we're we're opening the meet with eleven foot grip on a twelve seven one ten, and she was just struggling. Like her grip was slipping, and she comes in at opening bar. And she's getting her knees to the crossbar. What do you think? Just uh, stop yeah. it. What do you
1: think some of the factors are in something like that? You know, obviously, you know, like when an
0: athlete slips grip, or like it's just when they're not having a good day. Because I, I kind of want anyone, any coaches or right. athletes
1: listening right now, I want okay. Them to I mean, understand. no, that's.
0: I think that's a, that's a good question. So look, I think there's a lot of variables. You know, one, especially if you're dealing with younger kids, or you know, heck, sometimes even when you're dealing with someone who, who who's jumped for a long time, right. Did they not get great sleep? You know, maybe was there nutrition poor that week or that day? Uh, I know even personally, I had a great practice on a Monday, a meet on a Saturday, and I just figured, I'm like, well, everything's done. The hay is in the barn, so I'm going to eat like shit the rest of the week and Hmm. eat whatever I want. And I was pretty slow on Saturday. Right. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of of factors, right? Um, The other thing is too, I, I know for me personally at the facility we were at it's a much slower runway it's not not a great runway then on top of it they were the second group to jump so it's like you couldn't get to the warm up line early and there was nowhere like if you there was about 35 girls on the the warm up line there was nowhere for you to go to like skip and warm up before you took your warm up jump and so they're all jumping cold and warm up so you have a lot of extenuating circumstances for why you know sometimes that that kid is not getting on the pole you want but that being said,
1: she's – What did you do with your – Right. Your so athlete? she's
0: on the 12 7 1, 10. She's slipping grip. Her knee gets to the crossbar. She got two more attempts left at 10. And I'm like – literally, I'm like, if I don't make a change right now, I'm going to watch a no height. And the thing is I think sometimes people panic and they're like, well, mate. You, you know, got to hit
1: it harder. Yeah, or, you got to hit it
0: harder. Get your hands up. Or, heck, some people are like, well, maybe if we grip up, it softens up the pole a little bit. Like I, I say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I walk up to her and, and here's the thing that girl a couple of months prior used to jump on 12 foot poles and I didn't bring any 12 foot poles because she had gotten on the 12 7 130 so I didn't think that she would need anything smaller than a 127 110 so I started thinking to myself well a 127 110 is the equivalent of an 11 and I have an 11 one twenty in the bag so mm. that would be going down a pole so I went up to her grabbed the 11 one twenty. I said you're jumping on this mm. she looked at me and was like, I'm not a freshman. <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't matter what pole you're on. It matters if you clear, she comes down second attempt, way over 10 nicks it on the way down. So I move her back a half cause she was tight at the mid. She had like a 42 and she's like a 43 girl. So I move her back a half. She comes down, whoop, clears 10, then clears 10, six on the 11, six, 120 almost blew through. So now we go back to the 12, seven, one 10 clears 11 on that. We ended up having a good day. But had I, had I, you know, uh, not swallowed my pride and if I was stubborn and kept her on the 12, 7, 1, 10 for that opening bar, I most certainly was going to watch a no height. And so the thing is you, you have to kind of, I think in that, that kind of situation, analyze like, okay, well, if I keep things the same, I'm probably seeing a negative outcome. If I at least make this change, I have a chance, right? Because most people might argue and be like, well, Bronco, how did you know she wasn't going to blow through? I didn't. But I knew she wasn't gonna make it into the pit on the twelve, seven, one, ten. Right. At least with on the smaller pole you had a chance. Right. I'm just I'm trying to think if I've ever actually been to a
1: competition where someone spent warm-ups just ending up on the front bun and then put it together at the meet on the same pole. I, I don't
0: I look I happens, I'm telling you it happens.
1: But it's those They're, are
0: outliers
1: that you can't right, rely right. on. Right. I
0: mean, look, I think sometimes there's people that what I like to call them is like gamers. Mm. You know? They might not be able to jump well in practice. They might not, other than like drills. Right. They might not be able to jump well in warm-ups. But that crossbar goes up, and man, you see a different beast. I mean, heck, uh, we mentioned his name prior, Adam Laser. Right. Uh, Joe wasn't accustomed to watching Adam practice. <laughs> in four years of college, besides a three-left approach, occasionally a five, Adam would never take full approaches. Seven, eight left, that was not happening. And Joe didn't know... <laughs> And Adam had already done, like, a couple run-throughs where I was just catching his mid, and he was going through a nice run approach. It was kind of like doing pole runs, but on the runway and just run through. And so Adam, Adam's about to take his, like, third one. And Joe's like, you got it, Adam. Let's go. You got this one. And I'm like, Joe, he's, he's not going to jump. This doesn't happen. <laughs> um but Adam is a rare one. Like, yeah. I, I I don't even think I'll ever be able to coach an Adam laser ever again. No. You know what I mean? Because that no. was like, oh, my goodness. But we would go to meet. that bar and go and up, he would, Yeah, he, he would light it up, you know. So it's it's just a, a different animal. And so you, you do have, like you said, those outliers. But, yeah, I mean, come on. You
1: can't use those for statistical information. Right,
0: right. I mean, listen, if your kid is ending up
1: on the front bun – or or on the runway, or just at vertical, and, and maybe has to row it into the pit, go down a pole, go down a grip. Like yeah,
0: you're not gonna accomplish and, anything. And and just going off of again, like you can't base your coaching on outliers. It's like, look, I can't bank on like, well, my aunt Jenny won the lottery when she was 35, and like if I just keep playing the lottery, I'll I'll win it at 35. Like no, that's like that's not how it works. A billion to one chances. Like you're not, that's you can't bank on that. You know, so you know just. Just some information out there, you know, make sure you're watching that pole speed and you're, you're um, making sure that the resistance is appropriate for the pole speed that the kid is showing. You know, if they're blowing through, yeah, heck yes, grip up, you know. But if they're not blowing through and they're coming down short and you got the standards all the way in, guess what? you, you got to bite the bullet and you got to grip down, you know. Because what I even see that's a shame is I've seen kids come down and they have massive hip height over a bar and nobody grips the kid down and they just, they come down on the crossbar three straight times, more times. when you're like, dude, you could have probably gripped down two fingers. You don't have to go down a whole grip and now you make the bar. Right. You know? So I, I it's just, you just got to bite the bullet and you, you got to make that adjustment. And, uh, certainly I think, uh, I think all our us vaulters are ready to make some adjustments and get over the bar at world indoors. So I'm, I'm super excited. And uh hey Joe, thanks again for being on the podcast this is, this is great. Um, oh
1: anytime Anytime hopefully uh, we'll maybe find a live feed for worlds. we'll do a yes, live, live maybe, video. yeah
0: maybe we can do a companion video.
1: I'd be down for that.
0: Yeah well, until next time guys see ya.